Have you ever seen this guy with this sign or something similar? You know, the end is near, repent. What kind of, what kind of thoughts and feelings come up when you, when you see this sign? Or maybe if you've ever seen him on the street, what, what, do you, what goes through your mind? What do you think he's up to? You know, what is he motivated by? What is he hoping to accomplish with this sign? You know, what do you think about him? Is he crazy? Is that what you're thinking? This guy's out of his, out of his mind, wasting his time. Or maybe you secretly agree with him, but don't say anything. Or maybe you think, yeah, he's right. And then you go give him a fist bump, high five, you know. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Keep going. Best of luck. Yeah, the end is near. Trying to draw attention to something here. And I don't know if you've seen in the media in the last, I don't know, couple decades, it seems to be a lot of apocalyptic stuff. You know, in the TV, in the movies, people talking about zombie apocalypses, Armageddon the movie, you know, you've seen it, alien invasions, whatever it is, bringing the end of the world. Well, we're here at the end of the church year, and the readings uh, take on this more apocalyptic theme, this nature here, talking about the end times. And in our gospel reading for today, Jesus talks about some doom and gloom. He prophesies uh, an end of, of Jerusalem and the temple for sure, but uh, this is a foreshadowing of, of the end of the world. And people probably thought he was crazy, what he was saying. What, this temple's going to be destroyed? No way. Well, perhaps being crazy in the eyes of the world is not such a bad thing. The scene is Tuesday of Holy Week. Jesus and his disciples are walking through Jerusalem. And some draw Jesus' attention to this beautiful temple. Herod the Great just recently renovated it, made some uh, updates. Uh, one historian, Tacitus, described it as immensely opulent, this temple. It had uh, 40-foot-high marble stone pillars. Imagine that, 40 feet high, these stone pillars. Had gold and bronze doors, golden grape clusters here and there, tapestries, expensive linen, cloth for draperies. I mean, it was something to behold. People from all over the ancient world would come and visit this temple just to see it, Jew and Gentile alike. It was something else. So when uh, these people drew Jesus' attention to it, you could imagine that they were a bit dismayed when Jesus said, yep, it's going to get destroyed. Yep, not one stone left on top of another, Jesus says. It will be utterly destroyed. This must have been hard for the disciples to hear. You know, that, that temple had a special place in their hearts. It's where they went for Passover every year, made pilgrimages. It was the center of their cultural and religious life. What do you mean it's going to get destroyed? That was not part of their plans, for sure. But oftentimes, God's plans don't necessarily coincide with man's plans. It wasn't that God didn't like the temple or was offended by it, but rather, the problem was, was the hearts of the people who entered it. These people had given themselves over to sin and to idolatry, and finally, they ended up rejecting God's Messiah, the Christ, they rejected him. And so what was in store for this city and this people and this temple? Destruction. Jesus predicted it. Sure enough, it happened. A.D. 70, the Romans came in and destroyed this place. 
took off, uh, took captive many people. And as we read this text and as we go through it, uh, one thing you have to understand is that part of the prophecy is about AD 70, when this temple would be destroyed, and part of it is about the end times and the end of the world, and it kind of mixes it in there. Um, prophecies are often like that. And so the disciples asked Jesus, well, when is this going to take place, and what are the signs that we might know it's, it's happening? And Jesus says, see that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. Do not go after them. And sure enough, um, we hear reports, some historians made note, that there were some false Christs and false messiahs that came between Jesus ascending into heaven and A.D. 70. And if we look around uh, today, there's no end to people making promises, um, claiming to, to save us. I know we just had a, an election, right? No end of the politicians say, hey, if you vote for me, I'll take you to the promised land. I'll bring peace and justice. Just, just vote for me. Yeah, and we've had this throughout history, right? Time and time again, people make promises to usher in, you know, this utopia or, or whatever it is, uh, good times. And, and they come and go, nations rise and fall, and still not one of them has been able to follow through on bringing heaven down to earth. So do not be misled. These people can't save you, Right? Jesus warns us. Jesus goes on um, to explain some more signs of the end. And essentially, they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? We got war, famine, pestilence, death. Jesus says, nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. You're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. And of course, that happened. AD 70, the Romans came in and destroyed Jerusalem. And um, some reports say that there was over a million people who died in that war. A million people. And the Jewish people were spread out all over um, the Roman Empire afterwards. And then on the coattails of wars, we got famine and pestilence. And these all go hand in hand, right? We see this repeated throughout history. Where you have war, well, that messes up supply chains, messes up agricultural production and distribution, right? And that ushers in famine. And famine leads to malnourishment. And malnourishment makes us more susceptible to disease, you know, suppresses the immune system. And uh, that for sure happened um, in the first century A.D. And we look around in our world today, we hear of wars, right? We've got a hot one going on right now in Ukraine, threatening to spill over into a global war between nuclear powers, and that's got a lot of us kind of concerned, right? Wars and rumors of wars. We've got talk about famine, too. I, we've all heard about the issues with the supply chain, We've heard issues about fertilizer production, about diesel fuel. Some are warning, yeah, millions are going to die because of hunger here in, in the next few years because of all this disruption. Pestilence, we've had plenty of issues with that lately, right? Disease. Jesus warns there's going to be earthquakes. And the historian Josephus uh, actually records that there were some great earthquakes leading up to uh, this is destruction of Jerusalem. And if you look around in the news today, um, you can find all sorts of reports of great earthquakes and destruction. Is this a sign? Is the end near? Persecution. Jesus says persecution will increase. You'll be betrayed by your own family even. 
Families will turn against one another in these last days. Um, we have seen persecution increase, at least in the last century, pretty significantly. Uh, in our men's Bible study, we're reading a book right now where the author talks about uh, Christians who were persecuted under the Soviet rule in uh, Russia and Eastern Europe and also under Nazi Germany. Uh, these Christians uh, that were, were suffering, uh, these totalitarian regimes had no room for Christians and Christianity. It didn't fit in with the worldview, and so they were marginalized, persecuted, and even put to death, many of them. I read a report um, from 2016. 90,000 Christians were killed worldwide in that year, and 600 million that year were persecuted in other ways, whether that's uh, losing a job or um, being beaten up or thrown in prison or tortured. Um, We see it happening a lot, and it's increasing in India, places like India, China, Indonesia, Middle East. Uh, But even around here, we've uh, seen a little uptick in uh, persecution, or at least getting pushed to the margins of society um, in our Western world. And uh, if we think back on on the last couple years, we had these lockdowns where for the pandemic where our authorities told us, you know, which businesses and livelihoods and institutions were essential and which ones weren't, right? And some of the non-essentials apparently was churches gathering for worship and small businesses had to shut down, and yet big box stores and liquor stores remained open. Is this persecution? I don't, perhaps so, some might argue, um, might argue the case. Jesus says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Now, we don't have like an index for hatred, not that I have seen, you know, a, a study on hatred in the world today, uh, but we can definitely see nations that used to be pretty closely identified with Christianity are moving away from that, uh, at least in the Western world. And uh, we can definitely see in our country that uh, Christian teachings and morality are often seen as a threat now to the social order, a threat to society. We kind of see a a bifurcation going on in our country today. And then if we borrow from Matthew chapter 24, um, Jesus says many will will fall away. Uh, Pew Research did a study on uh, religious preference. In 2007, 16% of the U.S. population described themselves as uh, nuns or no religious preference. So that's what the nuns mean. So 16% had no religious preference in 2007. 2015, that increased to 23%. So that's a 7% increase over eight years. People said, I have no religious preference. And 35% of millennials uh, would describe themselves as such. And uh, I imagine that hasn't gotten any better since then. Um, we've definitely seen kind of a falling away. And the, the faith isn't being passed down to the next generation um, quite like we'd hope. Is this a sign? Is this what Jesus was talking about? Is the end near? To fear or not to fear? That is the question. Should we be afraid? We see these signs. Right? I saw one head shake. Should we be afraid? No, right? Jesus says, do not be terrified when you see these things take place. He was warning The disciples, this is going to happen, right? But why shouldn't we be afraid? Jesus talks some, like, things are going to get bad, right? 
There will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars, nations in perplexity and utter chaos, people fainting with fear and foreboding, he said. Well, who are these people fainting with fear and foreboding? If it's not his disciples, who is it? Well, we know who those are. Those people who have hope in this life only. People who put their trust in their own strength or in the strength of other humans, well, they'll be very disappointed. And these signs will be terrifying. Very scary. Because that means the end is coming. Not just the end of their physical lives, but spiritual as well. Utter destruction, and that is scary. But for us, here's what Jesus has to say. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Rejoice. Pick up your heads. Finally, the culmination. The earth is groaning with birth pains until this time when Christ comes back, when he returns to take Satan, that great serpent, that ancient serpent, and all of his buddies, throw him into the lake of sulfur, establish his reign of justice and peace. He will wipe away every tear from every eye. That will be a joyous occasion. We are to rejoice when we see these things take place. We don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen a thousand years from now. Um, but it, that doesn't matter because you can meet your maker at any point in time, right? So we must be ready. Straighten up every day. Act as if it was our last. Be about God's business. He doesn't want us to be naive either. I mean, that's why he's warning these disciples. It, it, it might get rough. It's, I mean, it will get rough. It'll be hard. You might lose your job. You might be mocked, ridiculed, persecuted, betrayed, abandoned by your own family. Might even be put in prison, tortured, killed. But fear not. Not a hair of your head will perish. Because your life is in Christ. We need not be afraid. Because our lives, our, our names are written in the book of life. They're written there. We need not be afraid of God's judgment on a sinful world because our sins have been forgiven by Christ, by his blood. We have been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Even though heaven and earth will pass away, we know that the word of the Lord endures forever and that word abides in you and you abide in it. We are reminded of this when we remember our baptism, how, how Christ's name was put on us. We are now children of God secured forever because of it we need not be afraid we need not be terrified so i um thought the end was happening um earlier this year no joke i was coming home from work january 25th around 7 p.m and i saw these lights in the sky they're kind of hard to see in this picture but if you zoom in you can see these streams of light coming down from the this guy, this is out in Goddard. I'm looking at Wichita. And I was like, whoa, what is that? Then I was waiting for the trumpets, you know? Like, is this it? Is this I ran home and got my wife and brought her outside. I was like, look, look at the sky. What's going on here? Alas, the trumpets didn't blast. And Jesus did not return that night. Uh, I was a little disappointed, to be honest. 
And then my mind kind of wandered to what in the world this could be. What do we got here? Aliens or something? Whatever. I I didn't know. You know, sometimes when we think about the end, we can be filled with joy and excitement and anticipation. You know, like, oh man, I wish Jesus would come back already. That'd be great. And other times we can get overwhelmed by what we see in the world, the evil in the world. We can give ourselves over to fear, apathy, pessimism about the current state of affairs. I don't know about you, but I've thought, when I look around the world today and all the craziness, it's like, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go buy some land out in the middle of nowhere, take my family and only my favorite people, and we're just going to disappear and wait out, wait it out, right? Anybody with me on that one? Anybody thought that? Yeah, a few of you. That sounds nice. But is that what God calls us to do? No, that's not what God calls us to do. What does he call us to do here in these last days, in this present evil age? What are we supposed to be doing? Well, I made a list. It's not exhaustive, but here's, here's what I got. St. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, essentially, get to work. Don't be idle. Don't be a busybody, but be busy about God's work. Fulfill your vocations, whatever that is, whether you're a parent or a spouse, a grandparent, a child. Fulfill your vocation as an employer or employee. Do it faithfully and with joy. Service through your vocations. Love your neighbor. Uh, It's really hard to love your neighbor if you live out in the boonies by yourself, you know, and don't talk to anybody. Rather, we must be um, building relationships with others, especially those who don't know Jesus. We've got to build relationships with them so we have the opportunity to share the gospel. We do this through practicing hospitality, sharing meals together, uh, breaking bread together, uh, spending time together. St. Paul encourages us, do not grow weary in doing good. Uh, You might be tempted to grow weary. Maybe feel like you're not getting anywhere when you're trying to do good. Things just keep on going the same way, whether that's in your service to your community or in your family. But St. Paul encourages us, do not grow weary in doing good. Build things and create. Uh, this was God's instructions to the Israelites when they're in Babylonian captivity, if you remember. You know, plant vineyards, build houses, uh, send your kids off to get married and have their own families and keep on uh, doing the things God has called us to do. Keep your struggle against evil, battle against it, fight for justice. Make the world a better place as much as you can. And finally, St. Paul writes about this a lot in his epistles. Embrace suffering. Rejoice in your suffering. Like, it's going to happen. You don't have to go looking for it, but when it comes, embrace it and find a strength in God through it. Bear with the sufferings and the burdens of other people, and thus you shall fulfill the law of Christ, uh, St. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6. And finally, share the gospel. Take every opportunity you can to share with others the grace of God in your life and how he has made a difference for you Uh, how he's redeemed you. Share the good news of what Christ has done for us on the cross and empty tomb and how when you see these things take place, we don't need to be afraid because our lives are secure in God's hands. We will live forever. Praise him for that. Finally, I'll leave you with St. Paul's words. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing 
and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Amen.